This morning we were driving from the village out to our drilling site and we went past uh, a little pond, hardly any water at all in it, and there were some pigs that were playing in the water and kind of up on the side. And there were three kids that were playing in the same water. And I, I looked at that and thought, wow, what must be in that water that they're, that they're playing in? Thousands of kids are dying every day there because of waterborne illnesses, uh, things that can be prevented. In Burkina Faso specifically, one in five kids are dying before they get to be five years old. And it's hard to imagine when you go in and visit for a week that that's a real statistic. Uh, and a family that had seven kids, and I thought, wow, at least one of their children is probably not going to make it to the age of five. There isn't enough water, and the water that's there isn't reliable, and it isn't always great quality. So they're left with a choice of, do I travel another two hours and take a trip to get five gallons of water for my family, or do I use water that's less than perfect? So we see people that are bathing in water, cleaning it with water that really they shouldn't be using, but there isn't enough good quality clean water for them to use. The kids will funnel off just the, the, the water running off the ground into a little puddle and collect that into, into little plastic jars. And, and they're carrying that around and taking that with them. And I thought, oh, you know, they're drinking the leftovers, the, the stuff that's run off the ground, uh, just because there isn't enough water to go around. Today we set out from Ouagadougou, the capital city in Burkina Faso. It was about an 11-hour drive to get from Ouagadougou to the southwest area of the country where we were going to drill the wells. The whole time that we're drilling, there were a number of people from the village. Kids were there, the village imams and elders and chiefs were there, and they all sat in the shade and just watched the whole process unfold. Today we finished drilling a well to 140 feet. We hit bedrock around 90 feet, and were able to drill through the bedrock to get to a good, solid flow of water for the people. Poured a concrete pad, and we'll go back in a couple of days and put the pump on, on the top. Every well will pump about 250 gallons an hour. The average family uses about five gallons of water in a day, so that's 50 families every hour that these wells can sustain. The purpose of providing clean water is really obvious in terms of what they need to drink and live and, and, and be healthy. The bigger purpose for water was the fact that because we were putting water on the property of the church, the people in the community were able to meet the pastor, meet the pastor's wife, meet the other people at the church, and create a relationship with them. And through that relationship, they were able to share Jesus Christ with them and share um, the great news of salvation with them. And, and that's what I realized was the real purpose of bringing water there. I was thinking today, as we filled water jug after water jug, bowl after bowl, I wonder what 
they think of us. Why did we come? These white guys come to our village. I'm sure they're thankful that we brought water, that they have a new well there, but I don't really know what they would think of us. I'm hoping that they would ask the question of the church, why? Why would they come? What is it about this Christianity that would make them want to come from their comfortable life in America to here to our village in order to bring us water? We don't have any special skills. We just came because we were asked. I think that as a Christian, I have a responsibility to step outside of my comfort zone and make an impact for him in ways that are tangible, like bringing water and prayer. This trip has given me a whole new way to pray for the people that are here. And it's important for me to make an impact, not only physically, and but also spiritually in the lives of the people that we've gotten to meet and see here. As I've been looking back at the days in this trip, I think about what's next when I get home. I don't think I'll ever be the same from a spiritual standpoint, but also from a desire to make a difference. Before I left, I didn't really think about Africa. I didn't think about the needs of people outside of my family, my friends, my community. But now that I'm here, I can't imagine ever not thinking about and not wanting to do something to help further the gospel over here, to help meet the needs over here. It's not that I have to do any of that. I just have a desire to. I want to. I want to make more of an impact like I got to do here. And my hope is that every time people pump water from that well, they remember the stories of the Christian Americans that came in and gave them this gift. And that points them to want to ask why. And that for years to come, not only will that provide water for their needs, but it'll point people towards a relationship with Jesus. It's a blessing for me to be here with you today and to be able to share with you what you are doing in Burkina Faso. I have a message for you today from our national church president, Pastor Tomas Traore. And it is in the Jula trade language of Burkina Faso, and it goes something like this. Mi baraka, baraka, baraka. Katugni auye ikipichi ama. Ka andeme barakola. Ka andeme keneyakola. Ka andeme ka yesu famu. Ola ambese ka yesu tugunela. Ala ka deme, ala ka duba taoye. And that simply means thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you can get that word now. You can say you know some uh, jula, baraka, uh, thank you. Three times, the more times you say it, the deeper it comes from somewhere inside. But thank you for sending teams to us to help us with our work, to help us with health through the wells and to share Jesus with us because we are learning to follow Jesus. May God help you, may God bless you, and may God give you peace. Amen. And that's what we're all about, is bringing the love of Christ around the world. And I'm excited to be a part of, of Cross Point City and their desire to reach an unreached people group, you're making a difference in Burkina. And I want to share a little bit about that with you this morning. 
And I want to give you a snapshot of Burkina Faso. It's in West Africa. It's a small country, 18 million people in that country, about the size of the state of Colorado. 84% of the people are just uh, subsistence farmers trying to grow enough corn, trying to grow enough millet each year to be able to survive until the following year. Life expectancy is only 55. It's very hard. Literacy rate, 29%. For those that have some kind of an income, it's $580 a year, not a month. 47% live below the poverty line, which is $1.25 a day. Religion, 50% are Muslim. 40% are indigenous beliefs. They worship uh, their ancestors and uh, the spirit world. And 10% are Christian. 8% of those are Catholic. uh, 2% are Protestant. Business Insider had a quote a couple of years ago that said that Burkina Faso is the third most miserable country to live in. That's where I live. And that is why Crosspoint is engaged in Burkina, to bring hope, the hope of Jesus Christ, to these people. And I'd like to share a story this morning from the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Mark 2, 1 through 5. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are are forgiven. I want to suggest this morning that the paralytic in this story represents the lost of this world, those with no hope, those who haven't heard about Jesus Christ. And his four friends represent spirit-filled Christians. When you look at this case, this man had no hope. He had no way of getting himself to see Jesus until four men were willing to give up their day, were willing to give up a day at the lake, and they were willing to set all their plans aside to take their friend to see Jesus. This is a beautiful picture of what we as Christians should be doing to bring people, the lost, to Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know... Crosspoint is doing that very well as you're not only working in your own communities, but you are working halfway around the world in this little country called Burkina Faso. These men in this story, they had three characteristics that I think we as Christians need to have if we are going to bring the lost to Jesus. And that first one, the first characteristic is these men believed. What does it mean to believe? If you look in James chapter 2, verses 17 through 19, it says, 
In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. It's not enough to just believe. We need to put our belief into action. And if we truly believe, we will show our belief. We will show our faith by what we do. And Crosspoint has chosen not only Burkina Faso, but they have chosen a specific group called the John Tribe in Burkina. Between 14 to 20,000 of them are recorded. They need a chance to hear of Jesus Christ. Most of them have yet to hear the name of Jesus. They don't even know who Jesus is. They live in the southwestern part of Burkina Faso. They're farmers. They're part of another tribe called the Lobi tribe, which are warriors, so they are a hard people, hard-cased, hard to crack, don't want to hear about anything that you have to say. They are traditional animistic people. What does that mean? They worship the spirits of their ancestors, and they worship the elements of nature and the spirit world. Their whole life is bottled up in this fear of what the spirits are going to do to them if they do not sacrifice to these spirits and appease the spirit world. And uh, in our third world countries, the devil is bold. He's out there. They see every day, they see the curses of the witch doctors that are put on people and those people drop over dead. And they realize that if they do not appease those spirits, that something is going to happen to their children, something's going to happen to their fields, to their family, and so they are caught in this. They believe in a God, but God is good. We don't need to worship God. He's a good God. He is not going to harm us. Sounds logical. But we have to worship the spirits. They're the ones that are going to cause our children to get sick. They're the ones that are going to cause our children to die. They're the ones that are going to cause our fields to fail so that we don't have any food to eat. We have to appease the spirits. We have uh, our young people in, in Burkina. They love to go out on the weekends and to evangelize. They, use it, they do it through plays and skits that they put on, and they share the Bible stories with uh, people. Um, in these villages that have never heard. And in a village at night, there's nothing going on. Uh, there's nowhere to go. It's dark. There's no electricity. You got lanterns. So people of the village will come out to see a skit or a play. And in this one village of Nyankore, they went out to do a skit. And at the end of this skit on a Friday night, they asked, is there anybody that would like to accept Jesus? And this one elderly woman stood up and came to the front. And she said, I want to walk the Jesus road. Now you have to realize, for us here in America, for us to get up out of our chair and come forward to accept Jesus Christ, it's a 
it's a pride issue. I mean, what are my friends going to think, or what are what are are the next the people sitting next to me going to think because I'm going to come up here and say I want to follow Jesus? That's what we have to worry about. But out there, she had to worry about turning her back on the spirits of the village, turning her back on the whole village to the point that they would want her dead because she had upset the karma of the village. But she came forward to accept Jesus Christ. And they prayed for her, and then they asked her if she had any idols, any um, God images, any charms in that that she used to worship the spirits. And she said yes. They went into her house, hut, and they got all of this stuff out that had to do with the devil worship. They brought it out, they put it in a pile, and she had an armband on her, her arm that was given to her by the witch doctor that was supposed to protect her from any bad things to happen. And they took that off and they put this in a pile. And the people in that village began to move back because they knew something was going to happen to that lady because she was turning her back on the spirits. And they lit this pile of stuff on fire with a little help with straw. And this fire leaped up and all of a sudden this little armband that she'd worn around her arm, it hopped out of the fire. And they picked it up and they put it back in the fire and it jumped back out of the fire. And the people began to point and say, see, the spirits are not happy. Something is going to happen to this lady. And they began to back up in fear because they didn't want to be a part of it. And our young people knew what was happening. They knew that the devil was trying to, to put fear and strike fear into the, the, these people. And they brought the lady forward. They put their laid hands on her, they prayed for her, covered her in the blood of Jesus. And then they took this armband and they said, so that everybody in that village could hear, in the name of Jesus, you will be burned up. And they took that armband and they threw it back in the fire and it burned up to the glory of God. Well, that village, their whole idea had just been destroyed because that lady was still standing there and she was worshiping Jesus. And uh, that weekend, they had over 100 people that came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior because that one little lady believed. And it wasn't enough that she believed, but she showed her faith by what she did. And that action brought others to Jesus Christ. You know, Luke... Chapter 10, verses uh, 18 and 19 say, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And if we are walking with God, we are walking with Jesus, nothing will harm us. It won't harm us because we are protected by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Secondly, these men, they were determined. Verses 2 and 3 say, So many were gathered that there was, there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. But some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. You see, these men faced obstacles. The first obstacle was a large crowd. The auditorium was full. Outside was full. They had no way to get close to Jesus. 
And the second obstacle was Jesus was preaching. He was teaching at that time. He wasn't healing people. So they had faced two obstacles, but they weren't discouraged. They believed that if they could just get their friend to Jesus, Jesus could save them. And they were not discouraged. We had a young man, his name is Denny, and he was in a village of Coville. He had come to the capital city and he heard about Jesus for the very first time. Nobody, nobody had been to his village But he heard about Jesus, he went back to his village, and he and three of his friends began going to one of our churches 15 kilometers away on bicycles every Sunday so they could hear more about this Jesus. And over a period of about three months, all four of these guys became Christians. And of course, they wanted their village to hear about Jesus, so the pastor of that church put him in contact with us to come out with the Jesus film and to do evangelism for three nights in their village. And so we went out to that village to do evangelism. And we had 13 people that came uh, to Christ during those three days. But what we found out was the village knew we were coming. They had heard, because you have to get permission from the chief of the village to, to evangelize. And they had poisoned the well that we were to be using. And it was supposed to kill us and to kill the the new Christians. We didn't know about it until after the fact. But God protected us, as it says in Luke chapter uh, 10. And these people, after the three days, saw what had happened. And they wanted to know more about this Jesus. And... Because of this, Denny came to me and he said, you know, pastor, he says, I want to be able to share Jesus, but I can't. I can't read. I can't read the Bible to him. I don't know what to do. And I said, well, you're going to just have to show him by your actions, your love for Christ. And he said, ah, that's just not enough. He says, I want to do something so that my village will come to Christ. And he, found, he knew about the ordinance. They had an ordinance in that village that all the houses, all the huts had to be, the roof on each hut had to be in thatched uh, the grass only. You could not put the modern day uh, stuff, the uh, aluminum pans on your house. Because if you put those aluminum pans on your house with that 100 and 110 degree sun blazing down and bouncing off that aluminum pans, it would uh, make the spirits of the village uncomfortable because it would, it's too bright for the spirits. And if anybody was to put these pans on their, their house, they would die. That was the, what had come through, on the, on, through the village. And then he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build a house and I'm going to put aluminum pans on it. Because every day people are going to see those aluminum pans and that's going to be my testimony that Jesus is more powerful than the spirit. He built the house. He came to Waga. He got the pans. He put the pans on the house as a testimony. He was determined. He believed. He was determined that his village would hear about Jesus Christ. And as we speak today, they are getting ready to build the third church in that village. The other two are too small. 
They have over 800 Christians, three quarters of the village, Jesus as their personal savior now because of this one man's faith. What about you today? Do the lost at your schools, at work, in your neighborhoods know Christ? Are you determined? Do you believe enough to be able to share Jesus with those that you come in contact with each day? Crosspoint has taken on the John tribe, and I'm excited about that. Um, it's an opportunity to bring another group of people to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. What are you doing in Burkina? You know, you've already done quite a bit in Burkina in, in two years. And uh, just a, a brief list, you are supporting the first pastor to the Jean tribe, Pastor Sylvain. You've been supporting him monthly because he's had to move out of, he's a Bois, he's not from the Jean tribe, he's from the Bois tribe, and he has moved into the, this Jean region to bring the love of Jesus Christ. You've built a hangar in Koti and in Doro. Doro is the first John village that Crosspoint is reaching. That's, that's our starting point. And these hangars are metal buildings with aluminum roofs on them. And then as the church grows in those villages, they will put up walls and it will become their church. The village of Koti, where you put one up two years ago, 30 people have come to know Christ since that that time. You have drilled three wells, just like what you saw on the screen. You just got finished drilling the well in Doro, and it is running really good and is, is helping the whole village, which is going to be a catalyst to being able to reach that village for Christ. And then you built, drilled two wells in another unreached people group before you took on the Jump people in the, the Dogose people. And we just finished one of those wells this last year. We had gone the year before, drilled two dry holes, no water. And so we promised to come back. And you helped pay for that to come back and drill the, the second time around. We drilled one hole this year, dry. And so we said, well, we needed to send another survey team down and we would be back. And we came back and drilled again and they found water. You know what the, that village is calling that well? They're calling it the Jesus well. They don't know Jesus. But they've heard enough now, they're calling it the Jesus well. Because it's bringing life and hope to that village. And it's bringing opportunity for them to find living water, Jesus Christ. You've also uh, supplied benches and desks for the village in Doro for the primary school. Helping the, out the primary school that was in desperate need of, of some uh, desks for their, their kids at school. And the, actually, I got word yesterday that the prefet there, that, which is like a mayor of the, the area, and the director of the school are actually writing a thank you note to you today. And uh, sometime soon you'll be getting that thank you note for what you've helped to do in that village. And you've built a pastor's house for Pastor Sylvain in Doro. So you've already done a lot. But the gospel is a message of hope. And the poorest must see some concrete reason for hope before they want to hear about the gospel. Wells are a big part of that. As they get water, they ask, why are you drilling? Why are you giving us this water? We know it costs money. 
because it's the love of Jesus. Words themselves have no power if they do not refer to people's reality. One half of all hospital beds in the world are filled with people suffering from water-related diseases. 2,000 children die every day from diarrhea. Diarrhea caused by poor water and sanitation is the number one killer of children under the age of five in sub-Saharan Africa. That's why you're engaged in drilling wells. That's why wells are so important. Every time you drink a cup of coffee out there, you're helping to drill a well in Burkina Faso, so drink up. (laughs) And uh, this past year, we went into a village uh, called Ganta to drill a well. They needed water. They had 12 dry holes in that that, um, village. Several different organizations had been there to drill, come up dry. People had quit, had left. We work with Friends in Action, uh, uh, drilling um, out, of, uh, out of Canada and uh, England and Ireland, and they're, they're great to, to work with. And two years, year before, we had gone two dry holes, nothing, but we promised we would be back. And we came back this year, this last year, and we drilled another dry hole, and we were on the last, last hole We're down 150 feet, and this man came up to me, and it was not my shift, so I was sitting on a bench watching, and this man came up and says, what are you doing here? I said, well, we're drilling for what water? And he looked at me, and he laughed, and he says, well, don't you know there's no water here? Haven't you seen the 12 holes all over this village that have, and there's no water? This Place is cursed. You will not find water here. You're wasting your time. You need to just pack up your stuff and go to somewhere where there is water. And I don't ever do this, but I looked at him and I pointed to the the drilling rig and I said, yeah, but you know what? Jesus is going to bring you water today. We were on... 150 feet down, put on the next rod to go the next 10 feet. And in that 10 feet, between 150 and 160 feet, water came shooting out of that hole. You talk about being blessed. You talk about seeing these people jumping up and down for joy, seeing water for the first time in how many years come out of the ground. And we looked, turned around and looked for that guy to try to find him to say, see, we never found that man. But that village got water. And because of that, people are coming to Christ in that village. Third, these men were committed. Verse 4 and 5 says, since they could not get them to Jesus because of the crowd... They made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. They couldn't get to Jesus the normal way, but they believed, they were determined, and they were committed to get him to Jesus in some way or another. Commitment means putting your belief and life into someone to the point you will do anything 
for him or her. Their commitment was rewarded. They got their friend to Jesus. And Jesus said, your, son, your sins are forgiven. Your third team that was supposed to go, come out to, in October didn't make it because of the coup that we have suffered. That's why we're actually here right now. Thank you for your prayers through that. And pray, please pray for next week, uh, the elections next Sunday. And hopefully those will go smoothly and we will be able to return. But your team was supposed to be there in October, couldn't come. Was supposed to be in November, couldn't come. And now they're coming December 31st, and Lord willing. But they're committed. Crosspoint is committed to seeing the junk come to Christ. Pastor Sylvain, he's committed. He's left his own people group to come to this new people group. And they have made him an outcast in that village because he's from a different tribe. They don't want to hear what he has to say about Jesus. They don't want that to mess up the karma of their village. And so he's been outcast. But your team that came out this year to Doro, to his village, they put up the church, the hangar there, building the pastor's house there, putting the desks in the school, have opened the eyes of the village, putting the well that just has started in the last two months. And the next day, well, while while your team was there, they had a funeral. And it's a big deal. All the John people come in from all over. And your team went down to the, we went down to the funeral, and your team danced with the John people at that funeral. And the next day when the pastor went to town, it's the first time that that those people of the village began to talk to him because of your team being there and they're wanting to know why they were there and it's because of the love of Jesus Christ we need to believe we need to be determined and we need to commit to the John people the John have a place in heaven and since your team was there this year we have five I just found this out yesterday five new converts John converts that will be in heaven dancing alongside each one of you when we worship our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want you to pray because this next, uh, this next month in December, two new villages, John villages, are being, going to be uh, evangelized for the first time. You are working in a network of 30 John villages is what we want to reach. 30. That will be all of them if we can reach them and let them hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Herelin and Sabatin are the two villages that are going to be evangelized this next month. And maybe the team is going to be putting a hanger up in one of those two villages in January. We need to be committed. An old legend imagines Jesus arriving in heaven right after the ascension. He's welcomed by all the angels. Then angel Gabriel asked Jesus, you suffered much dying for the sins of mankind. Does everyone down on earth know it? Oh no, replied the Savior. Just a handful of people in Jerusalem and Galilee and Cartersville know about it. Well, Master, continued Gabriel, what is your plan for everyone to know of your great love? 
The master replies, I asked all of my apostles to carry the message into all the world. I told them to tell others who will in turn tell others until the last person in the furthest corner has heard the story. Gabriel's face clouds, for he spots a flaw in the plan. What if after a while Peter forgets and goes back to his fishing on the Galilee? Also, James and John and Andrew. Suppose Matthew returns to his tax booth in Capernaum. And suppose all those at Crosspoint lose their zeal and just don't tell others. After a pause comes the calm voice of Jesus. Gabriel, I have no other plan. You are God's plan to reach the jump in Burkina. You are God's plan for Cartersville. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning, and we thank you that we have had the privilege and the opportunity to hear of your great love and to accept you as our Savior. And we think of those around the world, like the John, who have yet to hear of your love and to know that they need you as their Savior, Father. And I pray that uh, you would uh, anoint this church, Father, and that uh, you would give them determination and commitment as they reach out to this tribe halfway around the world, Father, that many of these 20,000 people will come to know you as their personal Savior, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name.